You are listening to the New Vision Church Podcast, a community to belong, be loved, and believe. Well, it's good to be with you. Um, some of us were out of town this last week, um, and we went to Miami. Um, I get to go down there every uh, so often to speak at some Christian schools and do uh, some signing and speaking. And this past week, we had uh, about... 300 uh, kids in the chapel services uh, from first grade through fifth grade, and then we had all day with the fifth graders, about 60 of them all day, and, uh, and that was great fun, and we had a huge shaving cream battle and um, had a great turnout, uh, but the most important thing is there were 14 of them who gave their lives to Christ, and uh, you know... Even at a Christian school, right, people still need Jesus. And a lot of times people will send uh, their children to a Christian school, not because it's a Christian school, but because the public school, right, they don't want them to go to public school. So uh, while they're there, they get the gospel and, um, and you know, gratefully, uh, God can use children to bring their parents to the Lord. Amen? So, uh, so that's what I was doing this past week. And I'm so glad to be back with you. We're going to look today in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And uh, if you're watching online, thanks for tuning in today. So good to uh, have you joining us. And one of the things that we've been talking about over the last few weeks is what does it mean for us to have a new vision for New Vision Church? What, is, what does that look like? What is it going to look like for us as a church maybe to, to actually, you know, catch up with the rest of culture and move into the 21st century, right? Churches tend to be a little far behind. And I feel like that our church definitely has the desire to make an impact in our culture and to impact our community. And so what would, what would it take for us to do that better? What would it take for us to be people that God is using, um, not just within our church, uh, and you all heard many ways that you can plug into the church, but what does it look like for us to plug into our community? What does it look like for us to, to make a difference in our city? What is it going to take for all of these kind of things to happen? And, um, and so today we're going to talk about what does it mean to have a new vision of God? Because I really do think, right, this is where it all has to start. It has to start with our understanding of who God is, what God wants, and making sure that we see God clearly. So I want to ask you, how do you look at God? Have you ever looked at God incorrectly? Ha have you ever had the wrong image of God? You know, sometimes, right, uh, and, and this is one of those things. I remember this, this one girl I was dating back in high school, and um, man, you know, she was perfect. And one day on the weekend, I decided to surprise her and stop by unannounced. And when she came to the door, she was less than perfect <laughs> because the makeup wasn't there, her, the hair wasn't fixed, and I was like, whoa, and she was like, ah, you know, what are you doing here, right? And sometimes we have this image in our minds, right, that we're like this all the time, you know? Some of y'all think I'm wearing my pajamas. This is not my pajamas. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's like, look. We can have the wrong image of God. And sometimes we need to rethink the way we're looking at God and make sure that we're looking at God correctly because our view of God shapes everything about us. If you have an incorrect view of God and you live according to that incorrect view of God, you know what? You're going to be angry. You're going to be depressed. 
You're not going to worship Him the way that He deserves to be worshipped, and you're ultimately going to live with an unfulfilled sense of purpose in your life. So let me give you some, some ideas of how we might look at God. And if you're taking notes or you want to take notes, you can go to the YouVersion app. Uh, it's also in Church Center. If you go to Church Center, there's a little tab there that says uh, Sermon Notes. You can take notes, uh, and it will, it will basically take you to the YouVersion app. But, but let me give you some ideas about how people look at God, and here's several of them. Some people look at God like He's a vending machine God, right? Let me, let me just go put my time in at church, right? Let me put my five minutes in for prayer, and then God owes me something. Because, well, I, I did something for you. Now, God, you got to do something for me. This is an incorrect view of God. Some people look at God like a Santa Claus, right? That, that he's going to show up and he's just going to bring me good things, right? That, that if I'm good, right, God's going to be good to me. And, well, if I'm bad, well, then God's still going to be good because we all know, you know, Santa Claus still shows up every Christmas and brings me stuff I didn't work for. So we all think that God should treat us that way, and so we can go through our lives living this way. How about the absent father God? A lot of times, and by the way, a lot of people's views of God are affected by their relationship with their father, earthly father. And so a lot of people have this idea that, well, God, if, if he's really a father, how, how can I trust a God who's my father when my earthly father, well, he's not so good? And then you have a dictator God, right? This, this God who is just going to kind of tell you what to do all the time. And, you know, we hear a lot about that kind of God from people who have no relationship with him because they feel like, well, God's, your God's just a God of demands and your God's just a God who doesn't want anyone to have life or have any fun. And so there's all these rules. And if you don't obey, if you don't do what the dictator God wants you to do, well, then he's going to kill you. How about the police God? You know, the God who's always just looking just to see when you're going to mess up, right? Passed several of those police yesterday. And boy, they, I mean, it was a stretch right outside of Daytona where they had them all lined up. I mean, there was like four or five of them right in a row. And you know what I did? I slowed down. Well, I wasn't driving, but the driver slowed down. Because you see, the thing about it is this, is that we know when the police are around, they're looking to catch you. The police aren't showing up at your house saying, hey, you did a good job. The police are showing up at your house because you did something wrong. You don't usually want to see the police, right? And, and so here it is with God. It's like we're not always looking for God because we feel like God's always looking out to point out the wrong or the bad or to catch me doing something I shouldn't be doing. And then some of us have this picture of God that he's just the old man God, right? He's just the guy upstairs, you know, and he's really kind of, you know, more like a grandfather, not really like a father. He's not really capable to do anything. He's just, you know, kind of hanging around. Is your God like one of these? I hope not. Because if your picture of God is like any one of these, that's not who God is. And your perspective of, of God is way off. It's quite askew. Uh, let me give you some things to think about concerning God. That, that God is far too wise to do anything foolish. He's too good to do anything wrong. He's too holy to allow sin and too just to overlook it. Thank God that he's also too loving to abandon me without hope. You see, we have a God who embodies so many things our minds really can't comprehend it. And this is why we have a hard time really 
knowing God because he's so much greater than our imagination. None of us in our finite minds can fully comprehend the breadth, the width, the depth, the height of God's love and who God truly is. This is why it will literally take eternity for us to understand and know him because we can never truly, fully know him. God gives us glimpses. Even when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and he pulled back his humanity, right? And there he was in all of his glory. They were just, they had to shield their eyes. Moses, when he went before God, and Moses, by the way, was called a friend of God. But Moses went up and on the mountain he spent time with God. And the Bible says this, that when he came down, his face was so radiant that everybody else couldn't look at him. Because he spent so much time with God. And this, is, and this is surely God shielding some of himself from him because Moses said, I want to see you. And God said, you can't handle seeing me. I'm going to hide you in this rock. And when I get a far distance from you, then you can peek your head out. And then you'll see, you know, you'll see me from behind. So it's like it's going to take a lot for us to fully know this God. But the more we get to know this God, then the more we're going to understand what it is he wants from us and what he wants for us. In Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, look at this. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. And when you think about that, the hem of his robe, just the hem. If y'all don't know what a hem is, it's like, you know, the little part right here, yeah. Just the hem of his robe filled the whole temple. Seraphim were standing above him. They each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. So let me stop there and give you a few things about King Uzziah. You see, King Uzziah was actually one of the few sort of good kings in Judah. He, he became king at 16. Can you imagine? Actually, there were some kings that became kings even younger than that. But today, you know, when, when some of our kids are getting their driver's license, we're like, oh, you better stay off the road. Can you imagine your 16-year-old ruling a country? Right? And, and so here's, here's, here's uh, Uzziah who becomes a king, and he's actually a good king for most of his reign. He reigned for 52 years and really did a lot of good things. He, he helped defeat some of the Philistines. He was rebuilding some of the cities. He was bringing in commerce. He was really uh, making things happen. He actually was a national hero, and so when he died, right, they had this, this collective mourning. You can imagine, even for us, if one of our presidents were, were to die in office, and even if you didn't like him, there would still be this kind of national, like, sadness. There would be this national kind of questioning of, where do we go next? What do we do now? And so when they're being ruled by a monarchy, they have this, this one person that they're looking to to make all the decisions, that, that everything, whatever he says, goes. This is the way it works. Now he is absent. Now he is dead. And, and everybody's like, wow, what next? Can you imagine following someone for 52 years, listening to everything they said, watching everything they did, obeying everything they commanded, and now they're gone? So you can have this kind of sense of like, wow, I, I, what do we do now? What do we do now? But the sad thing is, at the end of his life, Uzziah became filled with pride. And he went into the temple and decided to burn some incense and do some things on his own that wasn't his place. And he got out of line and God put him back in line. 
And he got leprosy immediately. And he suffered with it the rest of his life, and that's how he died. Let me give you a couple of lessons about Uzziah before we move on. And, and here's, here's one of them, right? Is that no matter what your role is, no matter what your place is, don't forget how you got there and who you are. It's about God and not you. That's right. You better stay in your lane, right? And, and what we've got to understand is this, is that God is the one who puts up and God is also the one who puts down. So, so whenever we start looking at, well, what, what do we want to do in the community or what do we want to do as a church, it's not about what other churches are doing or not doing. It's about what does God want us to do, right? We're going to stay in our lane. We're going to do what God wants us to do, and it's really irrelevant if anybody else agrees or not. We're going to do what God wants us to do. So we need to remember who we are, right, and not try to be someone we're not. Just because you have a good start doesn't ensure you're going to have a good ending, right? Man, Uzziah was off to a good start. He came out of those blocks, and he was off and running. And for several years, everything was clicking, man. He was being obedient, doing all that God wanted him to do. And then all of a sudden, he got full of himself. And he said, oh, look at me. I got this. I, I, the priests, I mean, come on, I'm the king. And just because you have a good start doesn't mean you're going to have a good ending. Now, it doesn't hurt to have a good start. But, but what we've got to understand is this, is that we need to walk with the Lord every day. You don't rest on your previous victories. Right? We need to keep moving forward. We keep looking forward to what God wants for us. Because just because you did it right yesterday doesn't mean you're going to do it right today. You need to make some effort. You need to stay close to God. Keep your focus on Him. Because pride will cost you more than you think. The Bible says this, pride comes before a fall, right? And any time we're getting puffed up, all God's got to do, I mean, you, you can blow a balloon up as big as you want, but you get a little pinhole in it, you know, God has a way of deflating us. And so, what's another lesson? Here's another lesson. Surround yourself with godly people that you will listen to. Uzziah was surrounded by all kinds of godly people. In fact, the priests were like, Uzziah, this is not your place, man. You are not supposed to do this. And what was he doing? He's like, hey, I got this. Don't, don't tell me what to do. You need to surround yourself with people you will actually listen to who are godly. Because look, don't surround yourself with people who are only going to tell you what you want to hear. But don't ask for advice if you're not going to take it. Right? Because we can say, oh, yeah, I'm going to make myself accountable or I want you to hold me accountable. And then, you know what? When they hold you accountable, you're like, I ain't trying to hear that. Talk to the hand, right? You stop, you, you, you defriend them. You block the number. And so what we've got to understand is this, is that if we're going to accomplish all that God wants us to do, we have to be willing to work together, but we've also got to be looking out for each other, and we've also got to be willing to take and accept some correction maybe. But don't pray for wisdom if you're just going to do what you want to do. How many of us asking God to give us wisdom? Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. God's trying to give you some wisdom through another person, but you're just shutting it down. And you're saying, no, no, that ain't what God wants. You're wrapped up all in your feelings. 
Well, I feel like this is what God... It's not about what you feel. Sometimes your feelings come from indigestion from the pizza you had last night. Right? That ain't God, right? And so you can have a bad night and you can say, oh, well, you know, God said no. Well, it's like, go to his word first. His word's going to, we sang about it, right? I'll take you at your word. But you can't take God at his word if you don't know his word. If you're not spending time in the word, you're not going to know the word. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And so this next week, as we prepare to make some faith promises to God, I'm going to challenge you to spend some extra time in the Word this week. That you will pray for wisdom and say, God, show me what it is that you want me to contribute. Show me how it is you want me to plug in. Show me how it is you want us to connect in the community. And God, I'll take you at your word. Whatever you say, I will do. You see, if we're going to see what God has for us, that we need to look at God first. We don't need to look at, because this is what people do, right? I'm guilty too. We look at our pocketbook first. We look at our budget first. We look at our other priorities first. Our other obligations first. When we need to look at God first. We always say, well, God is first, but we don't always live like God is first. There's always something that's going to fight for first place in our lives. And listen, our priorities right, are, tend to be more horizontal than vertical. Meaning this, that we have several things at number one. <laughs> but there can only be one number one. So it's not about what we can build or what we can do. It's not about that. It's about us just saying, God, how is it that you want to use me to invest in this church and what you're trying to do in the future? It's about seeing God for who he is and saying, God, we want others to see you for who you are. That, God, if you could use a small church like this. And listen, I know that there are a lot of people who are like, man, you know, I love our little church. I love our little church. And, and it's a great little church. But we would all say, yeah, we want to grow. And if we're going to grow, we ain't going to be little anymore. And, and this, is the, this is the dilemma, isn't it? It's like, oh, we want more, but we want this. That, that God is saying, well, I want to give you more, but we're content to have less. And, and maybe God is saying, well, I, I want more for you, but we don't know what that looks like. And it's okay. But let's not limit God, but let's not get in God's way either. And so... However it is and whatever it is God wants to do with us, I want to say, yes, Lord, whatever. If we're always this size, that's fine. That's cool. I mean, believe me, during COVID, I was preaching these seats. Nobody was here. I can be used to that, right? I got used to that. So, so whether, you know, God grows or whether God diminishes, it doesn't matter. It's really irrelevant. It's us being faithful to whatever it is he's telling us to do. And so it's in the year that King Uzziah died that Isaiah saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. You see, it's when the good king died that Isaiah could see the Lord correctly. It's when the good king died, and it was re he was removed because everybody's eyes were on him. That, that we tend to look at other people, or we tend to look at, you know, these, these positions for all of our direction. And what we've got to understand is this. It's like I'm saying to you, and I've been saying to you for the last six years, I don't have a five-year plan. 
I barely got a five-minute plan. And so it's not like I've got some blueprints, you know, in the office. I don't even have an office here, right? It's not like that. I'm looking to the Lord, too, saying, God, what is it you want to do here? Lead us, right? See, even good things or good people can get in the way of us seeing God clearly. And so instead of us bringing up here and saying, hey, this is what we're going to do, I'm bringing you up here and saying, we ain't, I ain't got anything to show you except God. What does God want to do? Let's get on the bandwagon with what God wants to do. But it starts with us making ourselves available. It starts with us saying, yes, God, remove anything and everything, whether that's a person, a place, or a thing. God, remove it so that we can see you clearly and so that others will see you clearly. God, what is it that's in the way? Is there anything that's in the way for other people seeing you clearly in my life? You see, now, now you're like, oh, you, you, mm, mm. Don't, don't be meddling in my life. Because, see, what, what if God said, hey, you know, for a span of time or maybe for all time, I want you to give this up. What, what if God said, hey, for a season, you need to make some sacrifices. We're coming up on Lent here in a few, few weeks. And uh, many of you have practiced Lent uh, in the past. And if you haven't, that's fine. It's, it's not a requirement. But it's a season of time where we, we give up things to focus on the Lord, where we make a sacrifice, you know, on a, on a regular basis so that we can just focus on the Lord. And, um, and so it's like, that's 40 days. For 40 days, I, I basically become a vegetarian. And that's really hard because I like to eat meat. I like the hamburgers. I like the hot dogs. I like the steaks. But, you know, I give it up so that I can focus so I can pray, so I can draw closer to the Lord. And so the Lord may be asking some of us, what kind of sacrifices are you willing to make so that others can see God clearly? You see, we need to clear the throne so that God can reign alone. We need to clear the throne so God can reign alone. Sometimes we've got something that's sitting on the seat of our hearts that's ruling and, and dictating and saying, hey, here's, here's, here, this is where all your affection is going to go. Here's where all your money is going to go. Here's where all this is going to go. And, and sometimes it seems like God always gets the shaft. Seems like God is always the first one to the back burner. It's like, oh, well, God loves me. You know, God knows. God no Yeah, he does know. But do, does anyone else know that God's your priority? You see, it's important for us to evaluate who or what is on the throne of our hearts. It's important for us to evaluate that. And so this next week, I'm going to ask you to, to really evaluate your heart, really evaluate your life, really evaluate what it is that God is calling you to either give or do. How is it that God wants you to plug in? How is it that God wants you to serve? How is it that God wants you to be a part of what's going on and what he intends to do with us and through us? Because if you want to see God clearly... It's going to force us to look at ourselves more closely. Look, I can't, I can't even imagine. I, I would not want to be interrogated. I would not want a bright light shining in my face with these hard questions. But the Bible tells us this, that God searches our hearts and he knows our thoughts.
We're not hiding anything from him. And so we need to come before God and say, God, search my heart and know my thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me. If there's anything that is preventing God from being seen clearly in my life, then God, remove it. You see, these angels, they're, they're circling the throne. And as they're circling the throne, what are they saying? They're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The word seraphim and ends in I-M, which means it's plural, okay? That's how Hebrew words work. And so the word seraph actually means to burn. Why are they burning? Because they're around the throne of God. Because our God is what? A consuming fire. And so, obviously, if you're around fire, you're going to feel the heat. You get too close to the fire, you know what? You're not going to put the fire out. You're going to catch on fire, right? So these seraphs, are close to the throne, and so they're burning. That's what it means, to burn. And so they're so um, close to God that they have six wings. With two, they cover their face. You know why? Because you can feel the heat. With two, they cover their feet. Why is that? Well, it reminds them of their creatureliness, that they are created beings. With two, they fly. Because who can stand in the presence of God? And so they fly and they circle around his throne. And the whole time they're circling around his throne, they're not just calling out to the universe saying, holy, holy. No, it says they call to one another. And they're saying, he's holy, he's holy, he's holy. This is not what we hear in a lot of churches today, is it? People calling to each other saying, you should be holy. You should be holy. I should be holy. Holy doesn't mean perfect, by the way. Right? None of us can be perfect. We should be striving to become more like Him. And holiness means to be set apart. Right? Reserved for an intent or use. Holiness is a little bit different than purity. And God is certainly pure. But holiness means that we are set apart for his use. That God has reserved us and he's called us out. And he says, you're not part of this world anymore. You are part of another world. You're over here. You are holy. But this is the thing about God and his holiness. Is that God is saying and and the angels are saying and all of heaven is saying this. Your idea of holiness and your understanding of how other God is, you don't even have a clue. That, that this God isn't just holy, right? When we say, sometimes in the scripture, when there's a word that's repeated, it's repeated for emphasis, right? So, so Jesus, in, in, when he's speaking, depending on which version you're using, you're reading, he says, sometimes he says, verily, verily, or he might say, truly, truly, okay? There's a double there. Even when Jesus is talking to Martha, right? When she's running around and she's all worried, he says, Martha, Martha. It's for emphasis, It's the same way that we might, you know, emphasize something by saying, like, that was way cool. That was so awesome, right? That's the same way that he's doing here. My mom, she's Korean. Many of you know that. And one time when I was in the hospital, I I can't remember if it was, I think it was, I was having an operation on my leg, and she was sitting on the phone, uh, sitting beside the bed on the phone, and she was talking Korean. And uh, I don't understand any Korean at all. And uh, so she's like, 
And I was like, what in the world? Do I need to push this nurse button? You know, what do I need to do? And so when she finally hung up the phone, I said, are you okay? Well, you were talking and you kept doing. I said, what, what does that mean? She said, I don't know. She said, we just, we just do it. We just do it. And I was like, oh, it's like an emphasis. You're putting an emphasis on something. And you're saying it's like way cool. It's like. Bleh. And that's how it would be with God in heaven. That the angels would be like, no, he's holy. He's holy. He is holy. You think you know holy? You ain't seen nothing yet. I think we kind of miss that with God, don't we? We come in and we think we're worshiping God and His holiness. And it's like, if we really saw God in His holiness, even when the angels showed up, what were they doing, man? They were falling down on their faces. Uh, they, there were some people who were just like, you know, even, even people who were having these experiences with Jesus and, and God, they were just like, it's too much. Oh, we don't like to be reminded of God's holiness. You know why? Because it reminds us of, of our unholiness. We don't want to talk about God's holiness because we feel like what we truly are. And that's, we're sinful. We, we can't be all that we should be. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that. That it's like there's no effort we could ever make to be all that God wants us to be. This is why Jesus had to die. And this is also why the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Because He is the one who clothes us in righteousness. He is the one who leads us in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. He is the one who empowers us to do what we could never do on our own. He is the one who is transforming us. You say, oh, well, does that mean that I don't have to do anything? Of course not. The Bible is very specific saying this, be holy as He is holy. Live separate. Be different in this world. Proverbs 15, 9, the Lord detests the way of the wicked, but he loves those, look at this, who pursue righteousness. You know what righteousness is? What's the first part of that word? Right. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. I think there was a movie about it back in the 80s, right? Just do the right thing. That, that we should be doing the right things. So we should be pursuing doing the right things. 2 Timothy 2.19, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from what? Iniquity. Let everyone who's being called by his name take some steps to step out when they're sent around. 1 John 2.9, if you know that he is righteous... Okay, look, if we know that he is righteous, if we know that he is holy, 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 you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. That everyone who's trying to do the right things, that everyone who is separating themselves from the wickedness of this world, that everyone who is saying this, God, I'm not perfect, but I'm going to distance myself a little bit more. I'm going I'm to draw closer to you. 1 John 3.10, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Not perfect righteousness, but practice. You know, y'all, we, we all grew up with this, right? Practice makes perfect. 
But practice doesn't make you perfect. Practice makes you better. But practice is never going to make you perfect. That's why we practice. We practice to get better. And we can be better at pursuing righteousness. We can be better at living holy lives. We can be better at loving other people. And so we practice, and you keep practicing, and you keep practicing. And you know what? When it's time for you to be perfect, God will take you home. But until then, we keep practicing. 2 Timothy 2.22, pursue righteousness. What are you pursuing today? What are you chasing after today? What is it that you want today? Because a lot of us want a lot of things. Some of y'all are like, I, I, I can't wait till I can get, get that steak you were talking about. Right? You're about to pursue that. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? But, but what happens is this, is that we end up getting distracted by some of our fleshly desires, right? And we get distracted by these things, and we have to, we have to be reminded, I've got to come back to pursue and be on the right track, right? And so Isaiah, he has this, this vision of God, and he hears the angels who are going around, and they're circling the throne, and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the earth, whole earth is filled with his glory. And what is Isaiah's response? What, is Isaiah, what does he do? He says, woe is me, I am ruined. I am ruined. The other day, um, I was shopping at one of the many Goodwills we went to while we were in Florida. And uh, they had a nice white, semi-white coat. It was kind of beige, I guess, off-white. And, um, and it had a small stain on it. But you know what? I didn't mind because that meant a deeper discount. So, you know, the guy, I bring the jacket up there, and he's like, yeah, you know, well, because on the jacket, it's marked like, it was marked like $149. And that's a goodwill. And it's like, no, I ain't paying $149. That's a goodwill. All right? He's like, well, you know, we always mark it down half of that at least. And then it's like, if you got a stain or something, I was like, it's got a stain. It's got a stain. I saw it before I brought it up here, right? It's got a stain. And he said, then we, you know, he's like, but the best I could do is 15 I was like, okay, I'll take it. I'll take it for 15 149 down to 15, that's pretty good, right? And I was like, I ain't worried about that stain. I can get that stain out. I can get that stain out. And if I can't get it out, I, you know, it's like, it's like right up here. I was like, I'll wear a boutonniere. Right? I'll wear a boutonniere. Because you see, the thing is this, is that, that we kind of, you know, it's like, oh, it's just a stain, small stain. You know, it's not a big deal. Yeah, look, stain on a white jacket's a big deal. But I'm like, I can cover it up. But let me remind you, a sin stain, you can't get out, you can't cover up, you can't do anything about that. And we are all stained with sin. And it ruins the whole garment. Isaiah says, I am ruined. In the Hebrew, the word ruined there actually means to come undone. It, it, it means like he in this moment is feeling like his molecules are about to fly apart. That's what it means. Because what does the Bible tell us in Colossians? That in him all things hold together. But if you ain't in him, you ain't together. You're about to fly apart. And so here is Isaiah, and he's saying this, I am ruined. I'm about to fly apart unless you do something, God. I have no hope. He says, woe is me. Why does he say that? 
because he sees himself in the light of God's holiness. What we've got to understand is that Christ has made a provision for us that we could not make for ourselves. That, that Christ has died for us. So what happens, these, these angels that are circling the throne, when he says, woe is me, I am coming undone, one of the angels flies over to the, um, to the burning coals, takes some tongs, and pulls a coal, a hot live coal, off the fire. And what does he do? Isaiah says, I am a sinful man. He says, I've sinned with my mouth. I live among people who've sinned with their mouths. The angel takes that hot coal, puts it on his mouth, and purges and atones for the sin that he has confessed. I can't imagine, I, I'm sure that it had to hurt. I, I can't imagine, I mean, I don't even like drinking coffee because it's hot. My hot chocolate ain't hot chocolate, it's lukewarm. Because I don't like hot drinks. Because when you burn your tongue, it seems like it stays with me for a week. Right? So here is Isaiah. He has now said, I have sinned with my mouth. I live among people who sin with their mouth. And what does the angel do that says? The angel says, okay, we've got we've to take care of that. There might be consequences for our sin, even though we've been forgiven. A lot of people try to say, oh, you know, well, God's forgiven me, and, and uh, look, and I'm so grateful for the grace of God because there are some things that I deserved that I didn't get. I'm sure the same is true for you, right? Even, even just, you know, other, uh, crazy little things, right? Just driving, it's like, oh, wow, I, I probably should have wrecked, and I didn't. And God's protection God's covering, God's grace, God's mercy right over our lives. There are a lot of things that we deserved that we did not get. And so I'm grateful that every consequence, right, hasn't come my way. But we also have to understand that when we do sin, there are consequences. Sometimes those consequences aren't known to everybody. You, you could live with the guilt, you could live with the conscience, you can live with... Whatever, isolation, you know, can separate you from people. All these kind of things can happen. But what we've got to do is we've got to understand this, that, that when we say, woe is me, right? God is trying to say, don't focus on you. And when we sin, one of, the, one of the things that Satan loves to do when we sin is to get us to focus on our sin. Right? And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, look at, look at how bad you are. Look at how bad you are. Look at, look at what you did. And, you know, there is a time when we do. We look at what we've done. We admit what we've done, but we also receive the grace and the forgiveness that we don't deserve that comes from God. And what we have to do is we have to be willing to move from a woe is me to a wow is he. We need to move from a woe is me to a wow is he. Because this is what Isaiah did. Isaiah said, woe is me. I don't deserve to be here. And then a few moments later, he's like, God you are high and lifted up. You are amazing, God. And all I can do in response is say, here I am, use me. Here I am, God. It's not about me. It's about you because of what you've done for me. I'm going to do this for you. This is not about somebody else. This is about you and what you have done that I don't deserve.
Then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Because my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me and in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with the tongs. He touched my mouth with it and he said, now this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is removed. Look at that. Your iniquity is removed. When I was telling you guys about my mom in the hospital, I had some tumors in my legs. And we didn't know what they were at first. And um, so I had them one year when I was 15. And that's when they, they, they thought it was actually possibly cancer. And so they removed it. Then the, the next year, it showed up in my other leg. And so I was in the hospital again. And they removed it. And then they're like, you don't have anything else to worry about. We got it all. Isn't that a wonderful message to hear, right? You don't have to worry about it. We got it all. When your sin, with your sin, God got it all. He removed it. He removed it. And your sin, look at this, your sin is atoned for. Atoned. This means that we can have the peace of God. Atonement means that God is satisfied with the sacrifice that Jesus made. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to wonder if God loves us, if God cares for us. We can be at peace because our sin has been atoned for. But what do we need to do? Well, look at what Isaiah did. He confessed his sin specifically. A lot of times when we confess our sin, we God, God, yeah, I did some wrong. Forgive me. No. He confessed his sin and he said, I've sinned with my mouth and I confess that it's my mouth that needs to be forgiven. You know, what, I, I was wondering, you know, why does he say his mouth? I mean, it's like, I, and I thought about this as we were driving home yesterday. I'm like, why is it just his mouth? I mean, surely he probably sinned in other ways. But what does the Bible tell us about our mouth? It's out of the heart that the mouth speaks. So he said, yeah, I've sinned with my mouth, but it reveals what's in my heart. And so today I'm asking you again, how's your heart? You want to know how your heart is? Check your mouth. You want to know how your heart is? Check your thoughts. You want to know how, how your heart is? Check your actions. Check your attitude. And if you need to confess something, be specific. Don't just be just general prayer. You know, how we pray, uh, you know, our, God, thank you for the food. God is good. God is great. Let's thank you for the food we ate. You know? It, it's, it's, it's like, no, be specific in your prayers. If we want God to be seen clearly and we want to see God clearly, we need to be specific in our confession of who God is. You see, we have sins of omission, things that we leave out, things that we don't do, we fail to do, and then we have sins of commission. Those are all the things that we have done. And Maybe this morning we need to have some confession. In just a moment, I'm going to give you some time. You can just make your seat your altar, or if you want to come down, you can come down. But I'm going to invite you to pray that prayer and say, God, search my heart and know my thoughts. And reveal any wickedness that's in me. And if it was with my mouth, then God purge the sin from my mouth. If it's my heart, purge my heart. If it's my thoughts, purge my thoughts. Because God, I want to see you clearly. 
because I want others to see you clearly too. But the only way it's going to work is it has to start with me, right? So for a few moments, let's just bow our heads and our hearts to the Lord. The altar is open if you want to come. We're going to take a few moments. Those of you who are watching at home, I encourage you to do the same thing. Take some time. Turn everything else off. Focus on the Lord. Ask Him to search your heart. If we truly want to be the people that God has called us to be, it's got to start with us being specific in our own need and seeing God for who He truly is. There's nothing we can do on our own to be right with you. But you tell us that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, you tell us that he who says he has no sin has deceived himself, God. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. We all have failed to see you for who you truly are. And so God, today we pray that your Holy Spirit would inspect our lives. And God, we would inspect our own hearts. And Lord, whatever it is that might be impeding or preventing us from seeing you or others from seeing you, we pray that God we would remove it from the throne so that you could reign alone. Lord, we want to be the people that you've called us to be. We want to be used by you and for you. And so God, as you move among us, may your Holy Spirit develop us. May your Holy Spirit Disciple us. May your Holy Spirit teach us and lead us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Isaiah says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord asking and said, Who will I send and who will go for us? 
And Isaiah said, here am I, or actually here I am, send me. Isaiah volunteers. You know, it's, it's one of those things that we struggle with a lot of times in church, asking for volunteers, asking for help, because we know that not everyone feels like they can do certain things or has a desire to do certain things, but, but sometimes, you know, we need help just doing everything. You just need people to help be your eyes or, you know, help watch a door or help, you know, with even small things. Small things make a big difference, believe me. And oftentimes, we don't have to eavesdrop to overhear. You can be standing around, right? You just hear somebody talking. The other day, I uh, was up at the hospital, or not the hospital, but the uh, back doctor with my mom. And, and we were in this waiting room, and, you know, the lady's behind the, the, the glass over there, and she's talking to me, you know, and there's five or six other people in the room, you know. Everybody's, they're not trying to hear. <laughs> but because, you know, they're not being quiet with talking to me, I'm not being quiet talking to them. So, you know, we're going back and forth. Yeah, this, that, this, that. And... Um, and so, you know, the lady's like, well, you know, you're going to have to come back and, you know, there's other things that you, you got to do or whatever and, and, and come back, you know, in, on the 26th, we're supposed to go back. And, uh, and so we were leaving, going out the door, and this other lady, she gets up to help us because I'm trying to wheel mom and open the door and all this stuff at one time. And so this lady gets up and she comes over and she helps open the door. And, and uh, as we're walking out, she says, um, hey, by the way, you know, you ought to try this because this is what we ended up having to do. And she just overheard. She wasn't trying to listen, but she gave me some great advice. She said, here I am, I got some, I got some information for you because I overheard. And, and you know, sometimes if, if we just pay attention to the conversations on around us, we can chime up and say, hey, you know, I've um, been where you've been. Hey, I hear what you're going through. Wasn't trying to eavesdrop, but you know, you are talking kind of loud. Um, that, that, you know, let me, let, can, I, can I offer you some advice? Can I offer you some insight on what I've been through? That, that we can make ourselves available. You see, God is having this conversation, right? The Trinity is talking, and they're saying this. We want to do something. We need some help over here. We want some people to go. And, and the only person who's there is Isaiah. And Isaiah overhears them talking. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, I can just imagine some of you, you, you've had children, you know, and they're trying to get your attention. They're tugging on your jacket, you know, hey, 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 ma, 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 right? Some of y'all, how, how many of you like the tap? You know, you get the tap, right? Some of y'all get the tug, right? And it's like, mama, mama, daddy, 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 daddy. A good friend of mine, when he used to work at this camp, he had three kids, and his youngest, I mean, would come in there, and, and uh, Dennis would be sitting there eating some dry cereal, reading the paper, and his son would come up and say, Dad, 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 Dad. I'm like, Dennis. I mean, come on. I know you hear him. I, I hear him. Dad, Dad. And then finally, you know, he'd put it down. He'd say, what, son? I'm like, Dennis, you could have done that like five sons ago. I mean, five, five dads ago, right? And it's like, you know, we, we, we don't always pay attention. And so if we just paid a little more attention to maybe what God is trying to say, but to pay attention means we have to be intentional. 
You see, we've all heard this before, good intentions, right? Where do good intentions get you? Well, it depends. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Y'all have heard me say this before. Your intentions don't matter unless you pay attention to them. <laughs> and so maybe we just need to pay attention to the people around us, right? Because God might be trying to use us in some of these situations. That, that, that if we just listen, God might be saying, we might be hearing God say, whom can I send here? And you might just say, well, this is my time. Here I am, Lord, send me. And, and it might just be like a walk out the door helping somebody with a wheelchair. It, it, it might be just you looking at your friend or your neighbor saying, hey, you know, I, I, I'm a person of prayer. Can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? Hey, our church, man, our church is a loving church, and we, we, we love to serve. How can we serve you? And so Isaiah, he overhears God, and I think he's saying, God, 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 send me, send me, send me, send me, send me, send me, let me, let me, let me, you know. I spent all this time with these kids this last, and you ask anybody a question. Man, their hands, oh, me, pick me, pick me, pick me, 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 even if they got it wrong. Right? They don't care. They just want to be chosen. Where's our excitement about being chosen? Because you have been chosen. If you're a follower of Jesus, let me tell you this, you've been chosen. And God is trying to put you in the game. But some of y'all are like, no, I don't want to play. And it's like, where's our excitement saying, God, send me, here am I, send me, send me, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. And so, how does Isaiah get there? His focus is God. His forgiver is God, his father is God, and his future is God. It's all about God. And that's what this church is going to be about. All about God. And so as we move forward, next week I'm asking you to consider how you feel that God has compelled you to volunteer, to give, to be involved. We're going to give everybody a card don't want you to put your name on it. But there are going to be some spaces where you can, you can say, hey, here's what I feel like God wants me to give. Here's how I feel like God wants me to serve. Here's how I feel like God is, you know, why God has brought me here, whatever it is. But I don't want you to do anything out of guilt or, or competition, right? This is not about, look, if, we, if we're going to have a competition, it should be who can serve the best. Who can be the last first, right? That's what we should, we should be fighting for. Who's going to be the last? But I don't want you to do anything except for love for God and love for others. Because that's all Isaiah did. Isaiah realized who God was and what God had done. And that should be our response. Who God is and what God has done is why we do what we do. If we're going to have a new vision for New Vision Church, God needs to be in his rightful place. We need to have the right picture of who God is and who we are. Simply sinners saved by the wonderful grace of God. And may we willingly volunteer for anything we overhear God say. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love for us that we truly can't comprehend. That you would want to use us to spread the love of Jesus, to minister and to serve those around us. And Lord, whether we get bigger or not, it's really up to you. We just need to be faithful 
to what you've called us to do. We just need to be faithful in serving, faithful in giving, faithful in loving. And so, Lord, as we move forward, God, I'm excited about what you want to do. I'm excited about what you can do. And God, I'm excited about what you're going to do because we know it's going to be good. And we know that, God, it's, it's, it's going to be something that we really can't even imagine because all the things that you have for us, Lord, are more than we can imagine. And so as we move forward into 2023, Father, prepare us, help us to be ready to serve you and those around us in the power of the Holy Spirit for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.